Welcome to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy practitioner. I'm your host, Holly Wayment. I work for UT Health San Antonio's Department of Pediatrics. In this podcast, we explore how we can provide the best, most cutting-edge, compassionate care for children. We hope to give you a unique and behind-the-scenes edge from our expert guests. After listening, click on the link on this podcast for free credit that may include CME, MOC, or ethics credit, depending on the topic or podcast. Some children have 40 to 100 seizures a day. Today on Pediatrics Now, we're talking about seizures. Joining me here is pediatric neurologist and epileptologist Linda Leary at UT Health San Antonio and University Hospital, where she's the Director of Pediatric Epileptic Services. Thanks for joining us today on Pediatrics Now. Thanks, Holly. So, Linda, you did your med school and residency and fellowships at Columbia University. I really enjoyed it. I was I spent uh, from medical school uh, through the beginning of um, starting my family um, in New York City, and that was a lot of fun. It was really interesting to live there, but I really enjoy being in San Antonio um, as far as family life goes. It's just uh, much easier, and and my husband and I have really enjoyed uh, living in Texas. It's a big city, but it does feel like a small town, right? It does, and uh, the traffic is much better here than New York City. (laughs) (laughs) And you have two daughters? I do. Yeah, one of them is now an adult, essentially, and she is uh, is just starting college, and um, the other one is still in high school. What do you like to do in your spare time? So I really enjoy exercising, and so um, I used to be a big runner, and I uh, ran uh, the New York City Marathon, which was a lot of fun. And um, I have since had to scale down a little bit because of some injuries, but I I still like to um, swim and ski and do a little bit of running um, when I'm able to. Here on Pediatrics Now, we like to mention quotes when possible. I love quotes. Do you have one you'd like to share today? I'm sure. Um, So we actually really love quotes in my family and um, my younger daughter particularly uh, finds them really motivational. And so she puts them on her screensaver, um, on her phone, and she's made a poster of different quotes. So I always look at her her quote poster, um, you know, when we're in a room. And and one of the ones I really like on there um, that I think is really relevant to a career in medicine um, is one, and it goes, um, then most people never start because they don't want to be seen starting from the bottom. Don't be most people. And um, I really, I really like that quote because, you know, I think that in medicine, I've uh, been practicing as an attending for more than 20 years. And there has been many changes um, in medicine over that time period. Even though I've been practicing for a long time, um, there are times where sometimes I'll feel like a beginner at something because it's not something that I trained in. It wasn't something that was around when I was in training. So I think, you know, this quote, and it reminds me um, to not be embarrassed sometimes, you know, to not to uh, be a beginner in, in one area of my field or another, and instead to just, you know, embrace it and, and say, hey, you know, I, I need to learn a little bit more about this. I'm going to go attend some conferences. I'm going to reach out to other colleagues and other things like that, because one of the things I actually really love about medicine is that I enjoy learning. I'm one of those people who probably would have enjoyed being in college and and attending forever. 
And yeah, I think too. that um, medicine like gives you that opportunity, right? Because you're always learning on the job. You're always looking things up. Um, and there's always a great group of people around that you can um, learn from. And here you are an expert in epilepsy and seizures. Uh, what inspired you to join in this field and to do what you do? I kind of fell, fell into becoming an epilepsy specialist, but it has to do a lot with my initial training. I knew I wanted to do pediatrics. I just always loved working with children. And I find that children have a really great outlook on life. And I think that they have a, a great outlook even when they're sick or they're dealing with medical issues. Um, I still think that they have a very positive outlook and um, you can uh, help them, you know, live their best, best life, have a good quality of life. You knew you wanted to do pediatrics? Yes, I knew I always knew I wanted to do pediatrics. And in medical school, we had a lot of exposure to neurology, and I found that it was really um, interesting. I thought the brain was interesting, how the brain works, the connections, and what happens when there's an injury to one of these connections. It's interesting because when I planned to do um, pediatrics, one of the things I actually enjoyed the most was trying to work with families and help them through uh, that those time periods that can be so challenging where, you know, they're feeling scared and depressed. I like that interaction of working with the whole family because for, for certain, when you work with children, it's not only about the child. Um, it really has to do with the whole family and the reaction to um, the medical issue as well. The whole family, um, they're all the patients, right? Definitely. Um, so the reason I chose epilepsy, though, was I just found that I felt that there was a lot that could be done to improve quality of life for individuals with epilepsy. It's an area in neurology where we have a lot of treatments available. And if we use these treatments, we can change someone's life significantly. And so I, I really like the feeling that I could have a significant impact on um, uh, care for, for children with a neurologic disorder. And about 30% of pediatric epilepsy patients don't have good control over seizures? Yeah, that's true. There is a high amount of individuals um, who have medically refractory epilepsy, which is um, you know when they don't come under good control after they've tried uh, two or more anti-seizure medications. We've had a lot of advances in epilepsy and we now have many options for these people who do not come under good control after trying a couple seizure medications. So I think it's really important that when children don't have good control of their seizures after trying two anti-seizure medications, that they seek care from a comprehensive epilepsy center where there may be some other options available to them. Can you tell us and, a bit about your center? Definitely. So. At our Comprehensive Epilepsy Center, we offer a wide array of different types of treatments. So we certainly have lots of anti-seizure medication options that we can choose from, and we use the newer agents, and we will select the right ones based on the side effects or um, uh, profile that the patient is um, you know, might do best with. Um, we also have non-seizure uh, medication options, such as dietary therapies. We have a ketogenic diet program, and we also have surgical treatments that can be 
uh, available for certain um, certain patients, including um, new devices like neurostimulators with um, vagus nerve stimulation or responsive neurostimulators or deep brain stimulation, um, as well as minimally invasive epilepsy surgery. And that can all be done at University Hospital? Yes. And then you also see patients at UT Health's new pediatric clinic on Wurzbach and Fredericksburg in the Gateway Building? Um, yes, we, we recently moved over to the pediatric clinic at Gateway. I think one of the most important things to know is that the goal for, for treating seizures is seizure freedom. That's something we really stress in a, in a comprehensive epilepsy center. For some individuals, it may not be possible. There are people where, you know, we try multiple medications, we try other techniques with surgeries or diet, and they still may have some seizures. So in those individuals, our goal is quality of life. We want the best quality of life. But in the, in the general population, the goal is seizure freedom because having seizure freedom makes a huge impact on a child's life or an adolescent's life. Um, and if you think about it, you know, for a younger kid, they want to go sleep over at a friend's house, but they're afraid, you know, they might have a seizure when they're over at a friend's house or their parents won't let them fully participate in activities that the other kids are doing. And so even having one seizure a year um, can significantly impact the kid's life. And certainly if any of you have teenagers, um, not being able to drive is a tremendous issue. And the Texas law currently is that you are able to drive if you have not had a seizure and are well controlled for at least three months. Um, so having complete seizure control changes that teen's life. So I think that's the most important thing. And then I guess the second thing I would say that's really important is um, not we, we know that not every funny movement kids do is a seizure, right? But um, it, sometimes when the parents are telling us about different things that they're observing, it can be hard for us to know exactly what they mean based on their description. And so video is our favorite thing um, for looking at uh, seizures. We want to have the families try to video as many events as they can, any portion of it they can, of course, prioritizing the child's safety first. So what advice do you have for our listeners regarding when do you know when a seizure is an emergency? So when a seizure does last longer than five minutes, we recommend that you either um, seek emergency care or go ahead and give an acute emergency treatment at that time. Linda, is this something you would say uh, pediatricians, pediatric practitioners should be telling their patients who yes. have epilepsy? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's good, just good if they know in general if, uh, you know, what the acute um, treatment is. Because nowadays in the schools, most of the school nurses are requiring seizure, seizure action plans. And so seizure action plans would give a plan of what to do if someone has a prolonged seizure. And usually the emergency medication treatment is part of that plan. Generally, we consider a seizure in a baby an emergency, and so we want to actually have that child evaluated as soon as possible. So go to the ED. 
Yes, we re re typically recommend going to the emergency room because there's a lot of different things in children, especially in babies, um, that may be related to other systemic illness or other changes. And so you want to have all of that evaluated and not wait on that too long. And they can reach that number generally through our clinic number. They can be referred in through, um, usually through University Health, where we're where we are taking call. Okay. Um, typically, if it's an emergency, then we'll find a way to work them in, or if we feel that the emergency room is the best place for the child to get that full evaluation, we'll let them know to go ahead with that. Okay, and is it true, I mean, anyone could just have a seizure that happens one time and it's really, we don't know why it happens and it doesn't mean they have epilepsy? That's true. A person who has a single seizure does not have ep epilepsy by definition unless they have other associated features like an abnormal EEG that's suggestive that they're going to have recurrent seizures. That said, it's not common for babies to have seizures, so I would definitely make sure that that's considered uh, more of an emergency. In older children, they may have a single seizure and we would do an evaluation um, but it is possible that they might never have another seizure again. And for the clinic on Wurzbach and Fredericksburg, and probably a lot of neurology clinics, where you can refer directly for an EEG. The pediatric practitioner can right get in yes. quickly. And that that's actually a great way to get people in a little bit quicker and to get them evaluated. When we have patients referred in just to get the EEG done. Um, they will also get set up for an appointment to see us in the office if um, if there are concerns that they may be having seizures. But this is a good way to get someone moved to the front of the line if we see some abnormalities on the EEG because we'll make sure to get them worked in um, quickly. Well, let's look at a case. A six-year-old child has been spacing out, not paying attention, the teacher says, in school, and the teacher has mentioned something to the parent, and the parent has also noticed that the child, um, when she tells him to do something, there seems to be a delay in response. What do this, you do? This is a really common scenario. Um, we'll often have uh, kids referred in because the teachers notice that they're not paying attention in school, they seem to be daydreaming. When we see children like this, the Things we think about are obviously things like attention deficit disorder, but we also think about seizures because sometimes we'll see seizures present this way in the early elementary school child. I've seen many children who have come into our office with this type of um, history where they have been spacing out in school, have been a little bit less attentive, and I've even seen it to the extent where the children are doing poorly in school and their um, their schoolwork is really suffering and the families are, are quite concerned. With these kids, um, much, we, we will often do an EEG and what we're looking for with the EEG is to determine if they might have a genetic form of epilepsy, which is quite common in this age group. Um, many children will present with features of spacing out or staring if they have childhood absence epilepsy. And they can have really frequent episodes. Um, so they might be having 
um, 10, 20, or even up to 100 seizures in a day. And so when the kids are having such frequent um, episodes where they're having abnormal um, discharges on their EEG and having staring, they'll actually have trouble um, processing information. So their parents are talking to them and they're spacing out. Um, or they may be declining in school because they're missing pieces of the information that the teachers are telling them, and so they're falling behind. The thing I really like when these children are referred in is that we can often just start a, as a single um, anti-seizure medication and their world kind of turns around. All of a sudden they're excelling in school, they're um, you know, doing really well because um, the uh, seizures have stopped and so that allows them to be able to fully participate in, in the daily activities and to learn and process the information that the teachers are, are telling them. So it's something where we can have a really positive impact um, pretty quickly. And Linda, you were saying, and that's amazing, I, a, a child could have up to 40, 40 to 100 seizures a day? Yeah, it can it can happen. Luckily, the seizures are very brief with this type of epilepsy, and so the child might just um, be in the middle of doing something, pause for a brief period of time, and then when the seizure is over, they'll go back to doing their normal activity. And fortunately, the seizures are typically very brief, um, often just 10 seconds or 15 seconds or sometimes even shorter. And that's the reason, honestly, that it's hard for parents sometimes to pick up the seizure type because it is so subtle that if you aren't staring at the child or if the child isn't in the middle of an activity and you see them pause, it might not really um, strike you that, the, that this could be something to be concerned about. And for abs absence epilepsy, it's totally treatable. It's, do they grow out of it? Yes, it is one of those um, conditions that is treatable and is typically outgrown when the kids go through puberty. And so um, it's, a, it's one where it has a very good prognosis and, uh, once you've diagnosed it. And what causes seizures? I mean, is that uh, too much to cover here? But mm, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, there are, there's, there are many causes of seizures. Um, some people will have seizures because they either have a difference in the way their brain has developed, um, where... Uh, the, the nerve cells have migrated to the wrong place and they make that area of the brain more likely to have seizures. Um, some people have seizures because they have a genetic disorder and it's not uncommon to see seizures with different genetic um, uh, syndromes such as um, trisomy 21 or other very common genetic syndromes. Um, there are also kids that have seizures because they inherited them. Um, they may have um, certain genes that they inherited from one parent and some from the other that just in combination lead them to have a genetic epilepsy. There are also many others, many other reasons you can have seizures as well. One of the syndromes that ha can have very medically refractory epilepsy is um, tuberous sclerosis complex. Um, this can be a very um, challenging syndrome because it requires um, multi-specialty care. Um, so recently we started a clinic here at, at UH, um, the tuberous sclerosis clinic, and it um, serves both adults and children who have this syndrome. And um, we are able to offer care not only for their seizures, but also um, screening for the other 
uh, areas that are affected um, by this um, complex syndrome. Linda, before we wrap up, and is there anything else you, you want pediatric practitioners to know, whether it's something on the forefront for seizures or what, what you know, when there's, we have so much coming at them each day, flu, COVID, RSV right now still, and so much, what, what would you like them to know? So I think one of the important things for people taking care of children to know is that if an individual has seizures, that they, that doesn't mean that the child's life is over. It doesn't mean that they have to enter into a whole new trajectory or change the way that they see their life um, playing out. I think it's really important to get them connected in to a neurologist. And um, if, if they're having trouble controlling seizures, certainly um, to an epileptologist or a comprehensive epilepsy center. When children have their seizures well controlled, they should be able to really participate in, in most of the things that, they're, um, that their peers are doing and, and should be able to live a, a full life. And that's something that we think is so important is focusing on the quality of life. We want children who have seizures to um, not only be seizure free, but be able to enjoy their life and um, be able to um, enjoy their childhood. Dr. Linda Leary, it's such an honor to be here with you today, and thank you for everything you're doing to help make children's lives better. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pediatrics Now. Click on the link for free credit if you're a practitioner. You can also email us with questions or episode ideas. That address is pediatricsnow at uthscsa.edu. We release a new episode every Friday. Pediatrics Now is produced by Nick Mary. I'm Holly Wayment. I hope you can join us for our next episode. Thanks for listening.